Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Blackmagic. And we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey, welcome to the 145th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode was brought to you by patrons Jordan Brady and Donald Evans. Thanks, guys. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Oren Kaplan. And today we have Ira Rosenzweig on the pod. Do we ever say pod? We have him on the podcast. I don't think so, no. He is a director that's directed a ton of things. He's done a ton of promos and a ton of commercials, and he's worked with every celebrity that is worth working with. He has recently done some stuff with Kevin Hart. He directed a Super Bowl commercial with Peyton Manning. He's worked with Seth Rogen. He's got a great story about coming up from the world of promos into commercials and then segueing a little bit into scripted. He runs his own production company, but also still works with other people as well. He's got a very interesting business model, and you guessed it, a ton of insight on what it takes to be a working director making commercials and promos. My favorite part is when Ira and I team up on Matt about how we work with editors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think what's special about the show is that, like, we have different points of view. And, um, yeah, you like, know, two people can be wrong, one person can be wrong, you know, but two people can be wrong. Uh, I can't wait to talk to Ira, but before we get to that conversation, shall we talk about our Patreon? Yes, we should. So we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash justshootitpod. And it is a place you can go to if you like this podcast, feel like we're helping you out in some way and want to help us back. Give us a little bit of uh, support for our live events, for our editors, for a little scratch. making this podcast work. Orin, I don't even know. How does Patreon work? What is it? I keep hearing us talk about it, and I have no idea. It's like, honestly, when I first heard about it, I also was like, why would anyone give money to something that they get for free? And then I like hung out on Patreon, and I started seeing these like YouTubers I really like, and various uh, people on there that make really cool things, and I was like, I can give this person a dollar. I mean, I like what they're doing. I don't want them to stop doing it. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of like a keep on going, I like what you're doing type of yeah. Website, but it's also sort of like it's like Kickstarter, but with a rolling monthly yeah. goal, basically. And it's also uh, you get perks. Uh, you know, various patrons give various things depending on how much you're helping out. So you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com/slash/justshootapod, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to do that. 
And now, without any further ado, we are going to talk to Ira R. Ira Rosenzweig. Okay, guys, we're rolling. We're sitting here with Ira Rosenzweig. Close. Rosenzweig. Swig. God, it's way off. <laughs> Rosenzweig. It's all right. You and everybody else. It's all good. Sorry. No, no, no. Drinking no. some Baileys on it's the an, rocks. It's an appropriate way to start. <laughs> yeah, it's a jolly episode of Just Shoot at Me with Ira. Um, so, Ira, um, you are a commercial director. Yes. Yes, and, I am. And you own your own production company. That is true, yes. So, um, I'm, the cliff notes, lightning round. Uh-huh. You were a guest on Jordan Brady's podcast, Respect the po- Process, which was where we get kind of the cliff notes. But basically... You came up in the world of promos, which is slightly different than commercials, but then right. segued into commercials as well. That's correct. And I, I still do a lot of promos. I actually love doing promos. I, I know promos kind of gets a bit of a bad name sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but we can get into that too. But yeah, I um, I started at MTV Networks, um, I guess back in 2004 after doing a feature documentary that um, I worked on for about two and a half years and realized very quickly feature documentaries are not for me you so know, you know what's cool is making money yeah that that's true i mean I, I had a very interesting story in that um the guy i ended up making a documentary a musical documentary about this guy john falcon who won 45 million dollars in the new york lottery so i actually had him fund the film you uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you study film I did, yeah. I, I at first was a microbiology major. I actually was going to do a six-year PhD MD program. Um, oh, you know, it was it was film was never something I even considered. I don't even think I really got into movies until high school. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah, I don't think I saw Star Wars until I was in college. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I well, was one of those you didn't guys. Miss much. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree with you. Um, anyway, so I was a microbiology major, and then I was just on a whim, like why don't I take a film production course? Cause I started really loving movies and totally fell in love with it. Like skipped organic chemistry for two months sure. and the rest was history. I mean, I double majored. You know, Ochem like, is like a famously fun class. Yes. Too, so that's yes, a yes. huge sacrifice to make. I kind of like totally skidded by on the, like the, for the first third of the class. Cause I had had the stuff in high school and I was like, this is, this is totally cake. And then the harder stuff came and I was like, sure, sure. screw this. Like, Wait, I'm, you I'm can make here. movies? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I finagled my way into a production course and, um, you know, I, I went to Penn state. I had no idea there was any kind of film production there, but luckily there was, there was uh, they, you know, they had Bolex cameras. They had some, they had some Aries, um, you know, that I think my junior and senior year, they got like the first avids and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I just fell in love with it and dove in head first. Okay, so then uh, from that documentary, you went around the festival circuit, you realized you wanted to do scripted stuff, mm-hmm. and well, then yeah. you went to MTV? Yeah, I, I mean, I always knew I wanted to do scripted stuff. That's why I got into film. Um, the funny thing is, I mean, I'm doing primarily comedy now, and I had never considered doing comedy. Yeah. I, my, my senior thesis film was about a convicted child molester mm-hmm. moving home from prison, told from his point of view, and right. like not at least any intentional laughs in the entire thing. Sure, sure. But um, yeah, it was, uh, I knew, at, you know, after I made the film, um, my friend was working at, uh, I guess it was Nickelodeon to start. He had bounced around MTV networks, but he got me a gig um, producing and editing just like clip spots for mm-hmm. them. And that was cool because it was like, you come in, you get it done, you know, you have a day, it's done. And like, what is that? That's you get footage, you get an episode of a show and you cut like kind of like a fun 
gag reel or something and put yeah. some graphics on it? Yeah, there at first I think there were like Jimmy Neutron DVD releases. Mm-hmm. So like um they would go like, on the head Jimmy Neutron's on DVD. What? You know. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> the spot. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um so uh yeah, I think they would put it would be like trailers for the next Jimmy Neutron release that would appear at the beginning of the DVD J- Jimmy Neutron DVD that is currently being put mm-hmm. out. So that was those were the first kinds of projects I was doing and um he then bounced over to Spike TV and got me another gig there. And, you know, I guess because uh, I took a little bit of chutzpah, but I've realized I think that's kind of like maybe the most important thing to yeah. have as a director um, trying to get ahead in this business. But they gave me a, a, a script for a clip spot and I said, do you mind if I rewrite that? I was like, the script isn't great. Do you mind if I rewrite it? So, of course, I rewrote it as something that needed to be shot. Mm-hmm. And they said, what are you doing? We have, there's a $2,500 budget. It's all post. And I right. said, let me like, I will shoot this. If you don't like it, I will pay for it and like do mm-hmm. what you originally intended. And they said, fine. Luckily they liked it. Um, and after that, I kind of through other couple, after a couple spots became the, like the go-to comedy director at spike TV. So this, I told you off mic that we were going to pump the brakes a little bit. Sure. Here and there. Sure. sure. I, I think, this is a good example because it's easy to hear that story and be like, oh man, like, you know, the opportunities are just kind of like presenting themselves, but it's hard to explain how crappy that job is, <laughs> is what I'm really getting at. It's like you're, so I, cause I know exactly where you were editing, right. you're kind of in a dungeon mm-hmm. with a bunch of other people. Matt worked who, at Comedy Central. I worked at Comedy Central, which is also owned by MTV Network. So right. like same buildings, sure. same, you know, like editing bays are like not the most inviting places, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, that's kind of, people get shoved down there and then it's like, oh, you, like you said, 2,500 bucks, just fucking cut the thing and we'll right. note it and we'll be done. Mm-hmm. It's not an inviting environment for pitching anything you know what i mean like your job was not to rewrite anything or to suggest shooting anything it was like you were taking a big step and i hazard to guess that no one else was doing anything like that if there's like a sausage factory in hollywood (laughs) it is this right yeah this is like the equivalent of if if you work in the warehouse for amazon and you're moving packages and you say to someone like you're like hey hey i think like we can improve this uh toaster oven in here yeah yeah. i can speak because i i mean this is jumping forward, but like I then went this, I was doing permalance work for spike TV at this time that we're talking about when we were trying to have kids, we had to do IVF and just to pay for the IVF. I decided to go back to be on staff just mm-hmm. to get the health insurance to pay mm-hmm. for two rounds of it. Right. So like when I was doing that, do you ever hear of repo games? I mean, literally the worst TV shows yeah. on earth. Spike I'm TV. editing. <laughs> yeah. I I'm editing 37 revisions of a, of a clip spot that this is every week yeah. and I'm working for an idiot who like, you know, makes me go to 37 and just out of frustration. I like go over his head and send cut one to his boss and that's approved, you know, like, so that's the hell that <laughs> sure. that job is. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how much of that I can get into. <laughs> yeah. But I know we you get know, it. I, yeah. I think Oren's point of like, it's a sausage factory. So right. good on them for saying, Hey, yeah, we'll take it. You know, there are plenty of people out there who would be like, no, or just mm-hmm. like, even good people on a bad day who would have rejected you. you right. Know? So I think there's a special mixture of like people saying yes and being open to your talent and your chutzpah and your, your drive and also having it in the first place. But so mm-hmm. like what I'm saying is that if you feel like you're in like a dead end uh, Hollywood production job, there's, you can make your own opportunities. Basically. Right. 
Right. Yeah. I did. A, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. But one of my first big paid gigs was a CPR training video. It was like a two hour video. It had mm-hmm. like a twenty five thousand dollar budget. Right. Uh, and it was mostly about you know what speed you should do compressions and breaths and all that stuff, right. Heimlich maneuvers or whatever they call them, chest thrusts. Uh, and I was like, I want to make all the re- like dramatizations like amazing. You know, like we got a jib arm. We're gonna shoot like just right. make it super dramatic slow mo. And the people were like. Yeah, d- whatever you want. Like we, we don't really yeah. care. Like just, just sure get to the, the, the just the kid drowns and yeah. they pull him out of the pool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't like my big uh, moment of discovery. But I do right. think part of what makes you a director is like your your job is to, like make things better than right. they are, <laughs> especially better look, than they need to be. Yeah, when mm-hmm. you're like right. get a script for Modern Family and it's like all Emmy award winning writers and everything. There's you know you have to be beholden a little bit to the powers that be. But when right. you are kind of in the trenches a little bit like lower on the totem pole when you know they just expect a bare minimum and you're delivering like way more yeah if you would if you just cut the script that they gave you it would have been fine right and you would have done a good job and eventually you would have gotten hired full-time once it became illegal to have you for permalance right right? i mean and that's that's the the literally the most frustrating thing about working in a place like that is most people are just there to get through the day and make sure. the sausages yeah yeah I, I made a web series on nights and weekends <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's what i would fight against all the time even in terms of production where it's like okay we have a twenty-five thousand dollar budget for this thing and i'm like okay i want to do a period piece about mm-hmm. steven seagal as a kid for this stunt they were doing called seagal sunday and like it would it constantly like some producers were great and they'd be like let's make it happen right. and you're other times you're matched with other producers who they just wanted get the job done and i would constantly butt heads with people like why do you need why do you need to do this it doesn't it doesn't have to be this difficult and i'm like i'm sorry like i just want to make this better yeah you yeah know what i mean i yeah. think 100 butting heads is like my favorite type of work environment because it means people care about stuff you know right at least some people care about stuff to me when everyone's like yeah that's fine that's good enough that works. It's like nothing great is being made. No. Yeah. No. And, and Buddy Huds is fine, but also there's, there's, you know, when it goes too far and it just becomes an, like an incredibly uncomfortable work environment, like, yeah, that's sure. not the best either. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Well, we had Peter Atencio on the podcast. I listened to that episode. Oh, yeah. And he was saying they didn't even want him to be at the Key and Peel offices and he would just come anyway and just yeah. like be chiming in and just putting, giving in his two cents and directing things. And I right. just couldn't get rid of them. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> you've got to do it. I mean, in one, either that way or another, it's like, if you've got to be your own force of nature or nobody's yeah. going to give you anything. So. so tell us then, how do you make, you just kind of become the go-to guy, right? But you're doing promo spots still, which is, it's, yes. it's a different science, right? So sometimes you can inspire some creative where it's a young Steven Seagal for this, you know, the Sunday series or whatever, but oftentimes it's a little bit more like, all right, you've got 30 minutes with the talent in between, right? like after lunch or something like that. Or were you ever doing those sorts of spots or no? Early days at Spike, there wasn't much talent to work with. Oh, because, that's true. Yeah. You know, so it was a yeah, lot. Yeah, it was like it was, CSI reruns and like exactly. Didn't you guys have shows. the man show with uh, Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel? That was Comedy Central, I think. Yeah, that was Comedy Central. Yeah. Oh, it was? They had Mansers. <laughs> I did yeah. a lot of answers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, they didn't have that. Um, but it was like, yeah, reruns, reality shows. They do like stunts where they have a block of Steven Seagal movies and a block mm-hmm. of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. And th- those were actually the great days because like 
I still look back on those spots and they're some of my favorite spots I've ever done because just the creative freedom that you had. Like mm-hmm. my boss at the time, uh, Neil Sherman's, who was who's been at Viacom forever. You know, he let me write, produce, direct, edit full campaigns. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, I guess that they needed to develop a certain sense of trust. But you know, after a while, I was doing the brand films for the mm-hmm. upfronts when, like, when they introduced the the new tagline, "Get More Action." Like. There was some really awesome stuff that I thought we were making. And if, if you're asking, like, how that happened, like, so after the first one, there was a, a weekly writer's meeting. And so, like, I one of the things I was tasked with was um, world's most amazing videos. Literally, it's just, like, car crashes and just, like, mm-hmm. cra- you know, crazy and usually <laughs> awful stuff. And so I was just, like... Again, like I, I did even when I was there, I was not intending to do comedy, but I guess there was something that just drew me to short form comedy. Like, and there were you know commercials on the air that I, the ones that I liked the most were funny, and so I was like, you know, it, I remember vividly like being in a pitch meeting um, and saying, you know, the, the head writer Scott Rosenblatt, you know, calls on me. He's like, okay, what do you have for world's most amazing videos? And I was like, they wanted to do something like user generated, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so I said, okay, so we're in a basement. Like we're we're gonna shoot this on like VHS cameras. We're gonna like the world's dirtiest basement, and there are there's a huge fat man standing there shirtless. And then you know I take them through literally. It's a 15 second spot, but I'm describing moment by moment what's happening. You can see this on my website. It's still up there. In uh, I've divided it up. I think it's like mention. It's in like the crazy section. I forget exactly <laughs> what I called this. What this, the section is, but. Anyway, he's there. He's got uh, he's shirtless, but Captain Amazing is written on his chest, and he's got a cape. And like, then there are two little people that start break dancing, and one one they have a, one guy has a mallet, and they're beating his stomach. And the other guy runs around, busts through a sign that says "World's Most Amazing Videos," and comes through it and presents something to camera. And <clears throat> everybody's just looking at me like, "What is wrong like, with you? What what is happening?" Scott, God bless him. He's like, "Great, do it." You know, yeah. like how much money do you need? Two thousand dollars. Great. Here you go. Like so right. that the cheaper you can do things, and the sure. you know that that will allow you more creative freedom. But like so that was the next thing, and I think after that, Scott, they love the spot. Scott really trusted me after that, and so he starts coming to me. What do you think of this idea? Mm-hmm. And we start working together on on campaigns and things like that, and that's how it builds. Like I guess there are few, there, obviously there are different ways to come at it. You can kind of do the tried and true, you know. Um, a lot of people there are kind of company men mm-hmm. to, 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 you know, sure. there's probably the best way of putting it. And they kind of toe the line and do what's expected of them. Or I think you can kind of push it a little bit and try to break some boundaries and do some crazy things and get noticed that way. So that was the way I went about it. I was never, I don't think ever really cut out to work in kind of a bureaucratic work environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did work uh, at Spike TV for quite a while, Permalance, and then I came back uh, for a few years to work there full time uh, on staff, and then one day my wife called me and basically just said, "You're miserable. We're moving to L.A." Oh, so wow. this was all in New York. This is all in New York. Yeah. And how did she know that L.A. was the answer to all your problems? So I had representation um, after I did a number of promos. I won an award called the Rocket Award. So, so there's a an organization called Promax BDA, which is kind of like oh, yeah. the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences of the promo world, right? Mm-hmm. So every year there's a conference and awards given out. And in 2007, um, I won an award called the Rocket Award, which is like given to the best new producer director in yeah. promos. At that point, I was like, I have a reel of work. I didn't get into f- filmmaking to make promos. Sure. 
um, why don't I look for representation? And uh, a couple of friends had some connections at the agencies and I first got in a meeting at Endeavor and then you know how it works out here. It's all about heat. You tell someone you're meet this new director's meeting with Endeavor. Right. Oh, UTA will, wants to take a meeting mm-hmm. with you. CAA wants to take a meeting with you. You start getting uh, management meetings. So I came out, got representation and um, basically they were all saying to me the whole time, like, you got to move out here. You got to move out here. And I'm like, I can't move out here. Um, my wife is an attorney. She has her own practice. It's oh, really hard for her, her own to, practice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was really hard for her to move out here. Yeah. And I never thought I'd even like LA. Like I'd like yeah. coming to visit, but I thought like it I w- doesn't smell like garbage. It's warm all <laughs> yeah. the time. You know, it's funny when I go back to New York now, I'm just like, how the hell yeah. did I yeah, yeah. live here I so long? I love carrying groceries. <laughs> But um, so I, I said, look, I'm not moving out here, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll live here for a month. And, mm-hmm. you know, my manager was like, OK, I'm going to literally get you like five meetings a day every day for a month. And I'm sorry. Wh- where was your manager? I was at Bender Spank oh, at the Bender time. Spank. And um, so that's what I did. I just kind of did the, you know, the water bottle tour for a month, met everybody. And the crazy thing was. I never, when you say meant everybody, you're like meeting at ABC, NBC, Universal, so Viacom, no TV production companies. No TV. It was all movies, movie like, um, and not really Lionsgate, st- Miramax, like that type of company. It was no, it was more production companies, mm-hmm. uh, production companies that make films, but like really well known. Uh, George Clooney's production company. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I had the meeting at like Smokehouse or whatever it was at the time, but yeah, type type those like Mosaic. So I met with all those companies, and I met with um, Elaine Goldsmith Thomas's company. Uh, Do you know she used to like represent Madonna and um, Julia Roberts and Jennifer Lopez? She then had her own company, and I had never even written a script before, but I met her, someone at her company, an exec at her company. Well, you had written all the scripts like in your promo work, though. Yeah, but. There are good ideas there, and the sure. maybe you can write a good thirty-second scene, but the, there's a big difference between doing that and writing a feature. Sure. Somehow, I one of her execs said Elaine has an idea for a movie. I'd love you to come and talk to her about it. So Elaine's actually in New York, and um, I met went in to meet with her in her New York office, and she had an idea for a movie called Sloppy Kitty mm-hmm. about female professional mud wrestling. Oh, okay. Um, so I read I read kind of a treatment, and I don't know how it happened. They hired me to write the script for that. Whoa. Yeah. Ba- and I had... Talk about a rocket award, right? <laughs> I had no, you know, no sample. So but you pitched a take on it. I pitched a take on it, but if I remember correctly, the, the take did not go over so well. Basically, I basically wrote exactly what was in this treatment. <laughs> so that was an interesting experience. Um, and did you, was it a Writer's Guild thing? Yeah, I got into the Guild, got paid really well to write it. Wow. Um, and it was... This is it, a few years ago, right? This was 2008. Oh, yeah, so not this that is, long ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. So that was my first writing experience. Wow. Yeah. You wrote the screenplay, and then um, you're doing all these promos. At what point do you decide to move out to L.A. then? So that's 2008. So um, I then, after writing this, the, that script, um, went back and did some directed some other promos for Spike, started directing promos for some other networks, mm-hmm. then went back to In work. In the Viacom family, or...? All over the place. All over the place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and how did word get out? Like, how did you start booking those other ones? That's a good question. Um, I must have just sent... Because, I mean, I could tell you certainly in the last few years how I've gone about getting work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I must have just kind of looked people up, sent some spots over. Yeah. 
Um, I was working with a another management company after Bender Spink called Prolific, and a manager there, I, I believe, sent my. I mean, it was a film and TV manager, but she was sending it to some production companies mm-hmm. in New York who also did, um, you know, commercials and promos. So I think that's how I started meeting some other people. Gotcha. But yeah, you you just been doing promos for a while. What was your first commercial? The first commercial. I mean, it, it's it's funny because. It's it's a kind of a hazy world now where mm-hmm. like there's integrated marketing at networks and so like I had done a lot of work at Spike where it was like um, Spike TV integrated with Geico or integrated with Toyota and because I wanted to be doing straight commercials I would take those spots edit out like I would also because I'd be editing these things mm-hmm. I'd have the masters and 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 everything so I would literally do and I would do another cut where there's no mention of spike TV in it mm-hmm. right. so it looked like a straight commercial right. and so I would kind of beef up my reel that way mm-hmm. um, back in 2000 I guess this is around 2002 2007 2008 I signed with a commercial production company mm-hmm. they got me one job in a year yeah. um, which but- by the way I feel like it's kind of a common story, right? That we hear. Yeah. Like yeah. your first commercial production company, one yeah, job's not bad. Your second, yeah. Like it's impressive that you got one. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a promo. It was. Oh. A, uh, yeah. And were you pitching a lot, or was that the only thing you like that, wrote a treatment? There on? might have been another thing I wrote a treatment on, or I met someone on, but it was really not, yeah. not not much going on. And so, but you were still doing your promo stuff in the meantime. I was still. Like I was working. Yeah, I was working at. Spike, I think at the time, so it was fine, and I didn't have children, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a mortgage, so like it, it wasn't so terrible. If, if that situation happened today, it would be right. horrible. So I think that that poisoned me to the idea of being exclusive to mm-hmm. any roster. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and to this day, like I've met with a bunch of really great production companies that you told if you told me like 10 years ago i'd be turning down sure i would have said you're crazy but i have to say to them now like unless you can literally give me a pretty substantial retainer i can't be on your roster yeah. but do you tell them like if a pretty bird or like a director's bureau or someone comes to you and says like hey we think you'd be great for a job can we pitch you on it oh so so this is i, sh- I should be clear about this so i have my own company those are jobs where like someone knows me as a director and they say like we definitely want you to direct this project which production company do you want to go with if they don't know that i have a production company and i'm like well i have my own production company and we just run it through the production company right. um i have a lot of promo and do you make more money in that oh yeah instance for sure because you get the production fee exactly not only that, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why it's nice to have your own production company. We scale up or down depending upon what we're doing. There was a time where we were like editing, shooting and editing like three things at the same time. And like, so we got a lot of office space. I had two other editors working, like mm-hmm. everybody was working in the productions out of there. But like, no, we, we stay nimble and, and small unless we need to scale up. If somebody comes to you because they want you to direct, then you will bring it into your company. But you will also happily work with other companies. Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I've done a little over 20 jobs this year. Five of them were through my company, and the other 15 or so were for probably another nine or 10 production companies. Interesting. Yeah. And were they companies that you've worked with regularly? Yeah, I mean, I've worked with uh, a bunch of them over the years. Like, um, 
one is Canyon Road Films, and uh, Laura Wicks is a producer there. I've worked with her since I moved to uh, L.A. Um, there's another company, Bacon and Sons, that I work with a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, good one. Um, I do a lot of true TV work. I think like 12 of the jobs this year probably were between just ABC, ESPN, uh, True TV, and Paramount Network, which mm-hmm. Spike which became. Spike, yeah. They're all directing jobs, and I usually try to also do the posts. Um and like, you know, this is one of those things that can sometimes get me into trouble, but like, I don't know about you guys, but I've been editing for a long time. So like, I have a very clear picture of like mm-hmm. how I think the footage should all cut together. Um, a lot of times I'm very lucky, even with the Super Bowl spot that I did, like I worked with a production company called Moving Parts on a few other projects. And it was a unique situation where Moving Parts called me probably early December last year. And they were like, we're going to be producing a Super Bowl spot with Universal Parks and Resorts. They love your reel. Do you want to do this? No treatment, no anything. Ooh, that's the best. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. That spot's really fun, by the way. Oh, I just thanks. did some Disney, uh, Disney World mm-hmm. promos. And I was when I saw your spot, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I did some cool things I should have done. There, <laughs> there was a lot of regret in my, well, thank in you. my mind. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that was that was a really cool experience. But I bring it up because like they also hired me to do all the posts. So I edited everything. I mean, that was pretty intense. There were a lot of cuts. But So are you doing like client sessions and stuff? So that was, there was no uh, intermediary agency that was direct to client. Uh-huh. Um, and Universal Parks and Resorts has like an internal agency there. I see. So I was dealing with with them on that level. Um, and the great thing was like, and I do this a lot. Like, so f- I would edit it. I take it to company three to do the color. I take it mm-hmm. to Beacon Street to do the mix. Like, I literally see the whole thing through. And for that, was paid really nicely for it. Other times, I can't help myself. Like, if I see a rough cut, sure. that sucks. You know, sometimes the company will say, hey, we'd love to hear your notes. And I'll usually say, can you just give me the footage and yeah. let me cut it? Yeah, and birds of a feather right here, you too. Yeah, well, do you yeah. say, I mean, I learned the hard way. Now I just bring a hard drive to right. set every single time. Yeah. And actually, the shoot I just had on Friday, I was like, told the DIT, I was like, hey, here's my drive. It's two terabytes. You know, we're shooting on Alexa ProRes. I'm like, I think it should all fit. And he's like, uh, I don't know if it's, if it's going to fit. And then at the end of the day, he's like, okay, I got it all on there. Don't worry. And I got home to edit it, and it was just like the proxy files. Oh. So mm. I can't color. So now I have to go finagle the raw files out of the production company. And today, uh, I showed... The, we were showing the client the edits and I was like, is it cool if we show them my edit first real quick? Cause you know, you want them to love the spot. Right. You don't want them to be like, uh, right. yeah. this didn't work. Like, like right how up, are we going to fix this? Yeah. And with, you know, any kind of one of these random editors that they hire, they're not putting in sound effects. They're not like mixing the audio is like all over the place. You got right. like seven tracks of audio. Like why are we hearing like all the other actors lobs on like, you know, while, that, that one right. always bumps me out. Um, you know, all the temp, <laughs> like text and graphics looks like they've just like placed them in the middle of the screen with no thought whatsoever well let me ask you like so in a situation like that where you're basically just like taking the drive and then doing a cut like how do you navigate that with the agency well so this is so i've been i've just told matt this i've been doing this like the i did on like my last three or four projects what i'm finding is a lot of people are cutting in premiere now for commercials Mm -hmm. which was not always the case Right, right right but now that that is the case i get the footage and like, let's say we shoot on Thursday or Friday or Wednesday, Thursday or Friday. Usually the first cut's not due till Monday. And so that weekend I will cut, do my cut or I'll try to do it like the next day if I can. 
and I'll just send it to the agency producer and say, hey, you know, I was just messing around with the footage and I love this. And I just like think here's a couple takes and I just, you know, this is how they cut together. And this is kind of how I pictured it. It's like instead right. of sending this the editor notes. pictured it is the move. And yeah, then yeah. and now I've even like on this last job, I sent them my cut and I sent them another cut that had uh, the the clip name. And the time code embedded into I each do, shot. I do that. So I'm like, yeah. hey, you know, if you like any of my any, any of my selects, exactly. like you can find that. And I'll be like, I'm happy to send the premiere project. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so, so today I was like, I was like, hey, can I just load my premiere project into your system because I have like all these alt takes that I wanted right. to show them. Yeah, but, like oh, I've got a string out, but I, I have my thoughts, but maybe yeah. they want to weigh in. And by the end of the day, the producer's like, why don't we just hire you to edit this? I was like, uh. Yeah, next, next time, time yeah, <laughs> yeah and i have a gig coming up in a couple of weeks where it's like okay find out today that we got the job and the immediate first thing i'm saying is can i edit it or and if, and if not the full thing can i at least do the first cuts and let me ask you do you say can i edit it or can, do you say can my company do post on it like are you open about the fact that you are the editor or yeah i'm totally open about it i think i, I realize that people actually like the fact i mean there are some people who are like you're a director why are you mm-hmm. editing this yeah but the, this situation for this job, the, the production company I'm doing it for also has a post wing. Mm-hmm. So there's no, you know, it's, it's, I would only, you know, be the editor right. for that. So not even asking to see the whole thing through. So I'm, I'm very jealous and curious about this whole thing for you guys because I do the exact opposite um, where I very rarely touch a keyboard unless I'm writing. Most of the time, I think that it sounds like this works out really well for you. Do you ever fear? that you're missing out on the surprise element of an editor who isn't inside your head. Do you know what I mean? There have been a couple of times where I get a cut back and I'm like, wow, this is like, oh, I didn't see that. This is better. This is definitely better than what I would have done. Yeah. Yeah. But the preponderance of times, it's usually (laughs) what the hell is this? Yeah. So even today I had like the editor had done one cut that was like, better he'd like kind of accidentally like left out a line and i was like damn that this works even better without that line mm-hmm. you know um it, but it's funny because the production company's like hey we got our editor working like let's try to lock this asap mm-hmm. and me who's spent like two and a half solid days just going through the takes and stuff i tell the agency like hey you know now that we're waiting for notes just make like i know this is the first cut and like a great idea for an edit can come from anyone you know and if somebody thinks something feels too long then to me that means like something isn't working but i think for you matt like you know i've seen a lot of what you've done in the past mm-hmm. 3 years and i and i know it, it's all good but i think there are a few spots that if you had the project like yeah, yeah. they would make it, it to the top of your website yeah, or yeah. on your reel or things yeah, that yeah. because the music is not right, or the colors right. just seems weird, you yeah. know, or the, the titles. So off, like, there was a spot I did a few years ago where it was like, I could, just could not understand like, what, how in, in any world does this music work? Mm-hmm. And like, so I did a director's cut of that and put a different track in, and it was just like, felt it was a completely different spot. I mean, do you ever feel like when you're... Well, music, I would never, I, I feel like I would always get things like, at worst... 90% there because I session pretty regularly I do a mm-hmm. lot of like the preliminary like hey I, I can't wait to be involved in this I'm going to make myself available mm-hmm. like I'm doing them a favor mm-hmm. you know but I want to basically deliver a director's cut that I'm really feeling great about and then let them deal with the back and forth of like the client S&P all of that kind of stuff that can kind of muck right. it up and I'll take that director's cut with me mm-hmm. but 
it probably hasn't gone through color or sound yet. Right. You know. Yeah, and to me, like, uh, like I'll, I'll, I know take six is like in my opinion, way better than take five, but the continuity is off and there's a boom mic in there and the editor is never, ever, ever going to make that work, but I can throw it into after effects real and quick and remove right the boom, yeah. you yeah. know, or change something or reframe. Yeah. yeah. I'm like constantly, I'm I'll like, tell them we to did reframe a, too, but we did a dolly right. move that's yeah. pushing in and I know it's just neat, missing a little intensity. Let's just do like a little like post 25% scale or whatever, you know, sure, like, sure. that you the can, editor would never kind of, like, you can fuck do all like of that. that in a, in a session. I think that there's a threshold where, like, I am constantly repoing. I'm constantly throwing in, like, additional moves. I think the point of, like, oh, there's a boom in the shot or, like, we need to do a digital sp- split screen, that's where you get into right. stuff. Where but it's really interesting. Like, it, it's for me, it's either, like, it's either or, like, all or nothing. Like, either I'm doing the cut or, like, I never see the cut until it's on the air. Oh, interesting. And it seems like you guys have had a different situation where you're, you're at least sitting in on sessions and stuff, yeah. which is great. I, mean, I will. I, um, I, I'm more like you. I Because I can't. You know, I, people don't like it when I sit next to them because I'm like, I'm <laughs> always, right. whenever they go to the bathroom, they come back. I'm like, <laughs> rechange all their keyboard shortcuts. Right. I make it um, from the pitch a sales point of like I'm a soup to nuts director. Like I'm gonna see through. Like I really care about color in particular. Like I'm gonna be there for all of it. And you don't have to worry about that costing you extra or anything like that. But like I am an asset to you. And they see that as an asset, or do you feel like sometimes? I mean, maybe I don't get the job if they don't see it as an asset. Right. You know. Because I wonder a lot of the time, like... But so many times it's a Chicago agency or New York agency, right, and they just sure. want posts to be close to them. And that's yeah. when you really have nothing. And that's when sending the premiere project is, like, extra important. I did yeah. this job in Houston. They still didn't take a lot of my notes. But what's nice is if they're, like, 80% following your cut, then you can get, like, their colored version. And then you just, like, the two or three mm-hmm. shots you changed, you can, like, color to match their stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I just like I'm always begging them for stems. The audio stems is like the heart, the thing I have to make the hardest hard for because right. yeah. everything else I can right. rebuild myself really yeah. easily. The uh, with color, now that you mentioned it, like I, there have been so many times where some of the some of the production companies I work with have post arms, and they're like, I'm like, what's the plan for color? And they're like, oh, our, our editor's going to color, yeah, and I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I'm like. Pay f- I, I can get you like pay five hundred dollars and you'll get like amazing color and they don't want to do that and I'm just like I don't I just don't understand. is that a favor rate or is that something you can oh hook that's up, a favor one of us up. <laughs> <laughs> no it's definitely a favor rate but like yeah it's um it's it's really it's, I don't get it because like they don't it it seems like people don't understand like half of cinematography these days I think is almost yeah. in the color session and so uh, yeah I always joke and it's true it went from like color is really important, save some money for color, give us money for color, 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 to them being like, oh, we have notes on color now. Like, right. it, the, the switch is like, it's not important, we don't care at all to like, oh, no, we have to weigh in now. Like, oh, I, you're saying I, when they finally when do When they so, finally yeah. do, it's okay. like, oh, great. Like, now right. I'm getting notes on how magenta that image is. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I find this, editor, like, this, those Keebler spots I did, they didn't color at all. Like, they just put them, and... What a lot of people don't get is like what you see on the monitor on set is very different than what it will look like on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and they'll, they'll fall in love with like the dailies and and like what they're seeing these cuts. And then when you color it, sometimes it's like, but that doesn't look anything like what I've been seeing. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that's the point. <laughs> but you, also the contrast on like Rec Seven Hundred Nine, whatever broadcast sure. monitor, just looks different it's than just, a computer yeah, monitor. Totally. Um, 
have you guys i think i just read a movie maker magazine article about how maddie libatique started setting he would set grades specific grades for each scene in uh, a star is born and i love like I, i'll do a shoot grade if i can like if it's fancy enough basically mm-hmm. um do you guys ever do that because then you, then then you're pretty close to a, i feel um, like that's we talk we talk at the pre-pro or at some point you know like we're gonna set looks right mm-hmm. and then you never have the time to set yeah, looks yeah, at least that's in my experience um luckily that's been a lot recently where i know like i'm gonna be taking it to color and i don't really care like mm-hmm. i'll have some kind of control over well it. if you're doing the post then. right right yeah. but yeah. um no i would love to it depends on the budget and the dp like on that jeep job we had a tent mm-hmm. with a dit and the dp would go was basically spent most of his time in the tent and they're yeah. just like dialing things right. the whole time yeah and then we get the files and it's beautiful on set and we get the file and i'm like kind of messing around with my own footage then we see the editor's cut and the color is just like horrendous yeah, just, right. you gotta and, get them that lut first yeah and they're like then the oh, client is know. in love with it oh yeah right. we didn't yeah use that lut the client really we just you know they like start from scratch which are like right right why yes yeah Anyway, and they don't I, care about it. Again, us. that's a reason to session. Because then you can be like, hey, you know, I think the DP said a lot already. I'll get it well, for yeah. you. Well, on color, it's different than yeah. in the edit. To yeah. me, the edit is like like you're saying that I can ask someone to do like a reframe in a session or just go to like, you know, can you keyframe that from 100 to 125% the scale? Uh, and they'll do it. And then it's like, I'm like, actually, do like 100 to 130%. I, actually, let's try like 115. I might have overshot. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you do, do move it up? And like, you get like three or four tries at that. Once you, but if I'm doing it myself, I will right. do 50 different versions. Right, totally. Yeah, I'll mess yeah. with yeah. it. Like even today, like I was like, can you move that title up a little bit? And I kept like apologizing to him because I kept like doing this thing where I'm like, move it a little bit. Little, and I was like, no, go back. And then. You know what though? I think if you do it right and look, it's a personality thing. Sometimes they're, they are going to hate it. But like, I think most of the time if you show that you're appreciative like, they like nerding out. They like getting it perfect. Like, you don't become an editor I've, to, like, just fuck around. I know? did one thing today where I was like, so it was, we were working all day together. He was great. And then uh, he, like, I was like, you know, he had, like, all the tracks on, the audio tracks. I was like, can we just, like, turn off this, like, boom track that, like, it's, like the boom is nowhere near the audio that we're listening to? And he, like, locked all these tracks. He took, like, five steps to do it. And I was like, would it annoy you if I tell you how to do that in one step? <laughs> and he's like, no, tell me. I was like, you know, if you hold down like the option key and you click on that, whatever, whatever. I told yeah. him and he was like, oh, awesome. Thanks. You give him a keystroke. And yeah. then the next time he just did it his way right. again. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there, yeah, definitely. Look, there's but some... he seemed, he seemed super receptive. And if somebody told me like that space bar trick on the iPhone, or something, I love learning yeah, like new yeah. shortcuts, new tricks. And I was asking him like how he, he has some way of like cutting clips real quick with the keyboard that I'd never seen before. So I don't know. Right. I'm all into it. No, I've de- like working with some editors when you're working with them like that, they're definitely appreciative. But like, I, I know like no matter how polite I am or, you know, sure. whatever I'm teaching them, like it's definitely annoying. I'm sure. <laughs> well, so. you know, I realized the other, the move that I'll do is I'll make sure that they get fancy lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll be like, Oh, like, Hey, where, where are we going to Postmates? <laughs> right. And, like, normally editors get stuck with, like, I don't know, the subway down the street. Mm-hmm. So, like, like if there's a little treat involved with me being there. Right. Man know, treats editors like dogs, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, like, they're best friends. Um, and Ira and I just assume they're not going to be as good as <laughs> um, Well, anyway, so back to Ira. <clears throat> so what's... 
your deal now? Like how you how are all these companies still hiring you? So yeah, we were talking about networking before. So you know, I was working at Spike TV full time. Get the call from my wife. This is summer 2014. You know, you're miserable. Let's move to LA. Oh, so you haven't been out here that long. I've only been here for a little over four years. Wish I moved out here much sooner. Like the career just completely shot off like a rocket. Oh, that's interesting. From New York. Yes. To Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more. Oh, that's weird. We were just talking about this yesterday about how if you're in another film town, like it's not as important to move to LA from New York as it would be from like madison wisconsin i mean i i think there's a vast difference um and and to be fair to new york though like i wasn't really looking as hard for mm-hmm. work there i was I kind of like fell into the into viacom i was trying to right. do some other things you but, were going to broadway shows you're reading a lot of <laughs> right pizza. every day yeah. Yeah, yeah but um moved out here and i don't think i made a penny for two and a half months and i was just networking and networking and networking and you ask like how was i networking I basically, you know, redid my website and um, just through different organizations, um, looked at their directories and you see like, mm-hmm. again, which, talk- which direct, uh, which organizations? So again, Promax BDA, they have a website, they have a, like a member directory. And I literally went through the whole thing, made a database. Um, uh-huh. And you just, it's about shameless self-promotion. Um, to this day, I'm just shamelessly self-promoting. My Facebook account is literally just all about my work. Like you'll see sh- shots of my kids and my wife t- as well. That's usually because she's posting them and tagging mm-hmm. me. I hate social media. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just using it to say, here's the stuff I've done. Check out this cool thing. Yeah. And I've become such a douche about it. Like if I, if, like myself from like five years ago, probably would look at me today and be like, what are you doing? But it gets work. Like literally the yeah. day I post something, I get a call for yeah. the next job. Yeah. I gotta um, get better about that. Yeah. And, and, and I used to be very, I used to really curate what I was doing because I mean let's be honest like of the work that I've done this year some of it I think is great some of it is not but I'm still posting the stuff that I don't think is great I'm just not drawing as much attention to it mm-hmm. I've realized that people and I may be wrong about this but it seems like people like to see that you're working a lot more yeah than you're yeah, only doing you're, awesome you're stuff. in demand yeah yeah um so yeah, I mean ideally you're only doing awesome stuff and working a ton right but you right, know, right right we should all be so lucky so anyway yeah getting back to when I first moved to LA like so I would use these directories and just send out these emails and like if you send out 100 emails and just get one response at least that's one response in a meeting and then someone who knows you like some of these are very long gestating relationships so right. someone what's what does that first email say probably back then it was like you know, I'm a, I'm a director. Uh, here's here's some of my work. I just moved to L.A. I'd love to have a meeting with you. Call, I'd love to take you to lunch or coffee mm-hmm. or something and just talk, you know, that kind of thing. And is it a blanket email? Are you saying like, oh, hey, I think we have this friend in common. How specific are you for each I'm putting person? their name. It's, hey, dear, yeah. so, or, yeah. you know, hey, so-and-so. But that's as personal as it gets, unless there is some kind of connection. Mm-hmm. And, some you know, sometimes there are. But, um yeah, it's just literally like pounding the pavement. And just from doing that over the years and going to the Promax conferences and just like you really start developing a Rolodex. Mm-hmm. And um, I just really uh, I'm lucky at this point that I know most of the creative directors in uh, at all the networks. So mm-hmm. um, I've really worked for I mean, there's only a few places that I haven't done work for on the promo side. Um, and the commercial end of it is really picking up as well. Like mm-hmm. every year it's kind of exponentially growing and do you so do you have reps i had reps for my company um and it's it's really an interesting thing and And when we say reps you mean sales reps yes yeah yeah. so just a reminder to our audience you can hire these people that will 
basically find jobs for you to bid on. Right. I've realized, so, I mean, the, the industry is in a weird place. And, like, I'm, again, lucky that I, I can kind of do this. But, like, so most of the time, obviously, like, you get a call from a sales rep and they say there's a job at this agency. Here are the boards. Or a lot of times they don't even have the boards. And it's like, this is what the project is. Put it, Put together a reel for this. So you put together a reel. They send it off. The success rate of being shortlisted and then the success rate from being shortlisted to getting a job, I find, is like so small compared to this year. There wasn't one job that I triple bid and did a treatment on. Like it was all like I knew that they wanted to work with me. It's really because of those relationships, basically. Yes. Like especially in the promo world, like treatments are not expected at all. I mean, sometimes they'll ask you for it, but they'll pay you for it. So... Which is insane. Yeah. Look at well, that. I mean, it's, not insane. It's cool and insanely appropriate. <laughs> right. I mean, I just feel like, you know, we can get into that whole treatment thing, too. But, um, like, I, w- I won't do treatments anymore on spec. Like, I just, I won't. At all? For no. If someone's people. like, hey, we got, like, a, you know, Nike campaign, ten five million dollars. <laughs> if they single bid me, I'll do it. Like, I, I'm lucky enough that, like, I get enough work now, and I'm I'm busy a lot, that, like, I would much rather devote my time, excuse me, to the actual project that's been awarded rather than speculative work. I just feel like, I know agencies are taken advantage of by clients and they, Mm -hmm. and and they kind of pass it down the chain, but like the whole expectation of treatments, I think is completely ridiculous at this point. Who wants to read a 30 page treatment about a 30 second commercial? Like, I just think it's, it's completely insane. Who wants to write it? Yeah. This guy. (laughs) Um, do you do you enjoy your being sarcastic? No, uh, Orin does love it. I mean, I hate it, but I I hate that it's unpaid and I kill myself over them. But I do right. do like a thirty page treatment. It is it's like hard. my normal treatment. Right. It is hard. It's but hard. I, you like it? Well, when I get the job, I have already thought so much about it that I feel I have this like such a high level of confidence, you know, um, mm-hmm. going into the job. Right. But when I don't you get the job, also appreciate them as their own object. Oh yeah, I like um like to show people my treatments. I'm like, check out this treatment I made. <laughs> you're a visual effects guy, like I'm sure your like design background is pretty strong. So not formal, but I like. I am a big admirer of. He's design. better at Photoshop than we are. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like so I like yeah. fonts. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, typography and that stuff. You're right. I mean, that's that's a, if you enjoy it, that that's awesome. But like, I used to I used to like put my heart and soul into treatments and like treat it like a spot and. You know, you I go to look for images and there is never the right image. Like yeah, there's yeah. always something wrong with an image. And I heard you say that you you know, you Photoshop things, which is awesome, but I'm not great at Photoshop. So it's like trying to find the right image and right. then Or I take pictures, but yeah. Right. And then it's like the agency gets attached to something and I'm like you know, the the a treatment at its best, I think, is a snapshot of one day of how you would like approach something. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when you get into a project that's going to evolve, like the way you approach it is going to evolve. And then you're, you know, collaborating with creatives and they're bringing things to it. And like, that's the other thing about it. Like, like I don't ever want to feel locked in. Right. Well, I don't think, I don't think the treatment, even though you set it up as this is how I would approach things. things A lot of times I don't write like, this is how I want to cast this spot. To me, it's like, here are like the ideas I have about casting, and here's how I usually work mm-hmm. at, in casting. I found recently that just talking about my my method of working, seems people seem to like that, because mm-hmm. 
it like instills some sort of confidence in them that I've developed a method, right. even though it doesn't matter what it is. Right. Um, but then image wise, to me, it's like less about uh, this is what it's going to look like and more about here are the when I think about your concept and I spend a day, an entire day thinking about it. Here are the things I look at to get inspiration from, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I will regularly have a page that has like 10 images on it because I can't find that one right image. Right. And I'll say like, I picked this image because I love the colors. I picked this image because this like little girl on the train tracks is like a different version of a little girl on train tracks than we've ever seen, you know, or whatever. I'll like kind of describe And you feel that. like they're retaining like... The, Not the, in the writing, only when I walk them through it. And when I don't get to walk them through it, I feel like it's like lost 80% so of its effectiveness. That, yeah, <laughs> That's the other thing that makes me mental. So it's like you put all this time into it, right? And then you have to do a call where you walk them through it. Yeah. And I'm just thinking to myself, did you read it? Well, yeah, and guess what? Half the time they have not even and, like, and they, cause they, yeah. it. But it's also the, the call is the part I like, mm-hmm. actually, because I think that there are a ton of really great directors out there. The, the, it, when you're triple pit, you're up against two other awesome people. Right. So this is your opportunity to show them why you're good to work with. Right. Because that, I think that's the job interview part of it. Totally. Like, I mean, the old days it was... You're, you have a reel and you have a call or two and they award the job based on that. Calls are super important. Like I know a lot of people on the first call, it's kind of like they're absorbing the information from the agency, but I literally, I will take the deck and I will like come up with like tons of questions and, mm-hmm. and, and things that I want to do. And I will literally on that first call say like, here's how I would approach it. It's almost like walking them through a, like a verbal treatment immediately and it's like, but that's how I'm going to do it. And that's what you're going to get from me. And like sometimes turns them completely off. And other times they're like, you got the job. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just depends because I've done that before and totally turned them off. And I've, you know, a lot of times you're like this. I, I love the concept, but this one thing with like this blue guy walking around is just so dumb. Can we lose that? And they're right. like, no, that is the concept. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's Mr. Blue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember my first treatment, um, the, I wrote this treatment. And the feedback I got from the production company was, yeah, the agency said, like, you had too many ideas and you're taking it, like, too far away from what they wanted to do. The next one I did, the feedback was, you didn't really have enough ideas. Yeah, you didn't really <laughs> plus it. And I got, so, I've gotten that note, Right. Too. And so I'm just like, you never know what they're looking for. The whole, it's such a collaborative process. Like, look at my spots. I can only point to a couple that I've won on treatments, like, like. To compare treatments and to compete that way, it feels like a more of a, a graphic design competition mm-hmm. rather than for yeah, sure a way to judge how. Because I know that I definitely know like, I've been I've been told that agencies like they're like you lost the job to this director because they loved her treatment like her treatment was amazing, they hated the spots. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah, don't yeah. know. I don't think there are any kind of I'm, like authentic representation of like how a spot's sure. going to turn out. Yeah, like, right. And I, and I want. To, to you to understand that I also 1 million percent hate this treatment thing. And like you look at the jobs that Matt and I did this year and probably the best jobs by far, are the ones that came from like existing relationships right. or, that we didn't yeah. write treatments on. But I guess it's, it's not that I like making treatments, but I do take pride in them. If right. that makes any sense. If I was good at it, I think I'd probably feel the same way, mm-hmm. but like the actual, like I'm, I like the writing of it, like the prose, but yeah, I wish you could just send a word doc. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, actually, about the Word doc thing. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I will say, I'm going to send a director's statement. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to send a treatment. And I think the sh- shift in just kind of the semantics of it 
then they are okay with just a Word doc. And maybe like a They're few always okay with just a Word doc. It just depends what some, the other people are sending them. Right. Yeah. And what Jordan said when he was on here, he's like, from my experience being on kind of a couple different sides of the equation is he's like, it's always usually comes down to like an idea. Like mm-hmm. they really like what this director said about this thing. And that's how beautiful it was and how great the graphic design was, you know, is it, it, not that important. That said, I've, I've gotten, I got one job and the client told me directly that I got it because my treatment was long. And Tim Nakashi had mm-hmm. a job like that too. Yeah, yeah. He's like, it just seemed, you it, cared the most about this project. It looks like you're putting in more effort. Yeah, you're right. passionate. Yeah. And then on this job that I just did last week, uh, I know it was just down to me and one other director. And I was talking to the producer about like why I got it and like when I put in the treatment and what I think the angle I took was because I knew I was the guy I was up against was like really has you know really amazing work uh-huh. uh, and he's like no it's just that one jeep spot you had on your reel they they want this to be feel like that right I, he's like I don't even know how much they read of your treatment <laughs> the, the thing that's frustrating too is like there have been a couple times the last times I was doing a treatment and it was like well uh, we didn't, it seems like agencies sometimes now aren't even making a recommend and they'll just like literally give the three treatments to the client and have them, and choose, them choose, which that, that seems a little crazy to me too. It's very crazy. Personal self-serving thing. Cause I'm waiting. I'm the recommend on a job that I'm really hoping for. Have you ever been the recommend and not get the job? Yes. Yeah. I mean, great, too. great. <laughs> Cool, but, yeah, but, but to an incumbent that yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, that said, yeah. I know that agencies tell more than one person they're the recommend. I'm sometimes. sure. Oh, really? Like oh, God, they're I mean, like was great an, at sweet talking. If it was an even playing field, like maybe I'd feel differently about it. But it's just like a lot of directors are not doing their own treatments. Mm-hmm. You can spend like there have been times where I was busy and I you I sure. pay for a treatment or a production companies like. You don't like I'll I'll say I don't do treatments and they're like we understand that but like we have to submit a treatment so we're gonna get a writer and we're gonna get an image puller and you you don't have anything to, you don't have to do anything with it and I'm like fine just talk to them just talk to them so I'll do that and then I'll get it back and I'll be I'll look at it and I'll say this is the last time this happened I was like there's no way you can put my name on this mm-hmm. has I, nothing to do with you right I was like you can write like director colon Ira Rosenzweig but you cannot write treatment by Ira Rosen, right. this is not You anything. didn't do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I've now just like, after trying different permutations and combinations of this, I've just landed on, I'm not doing a treatment. Yeah. So, oh, man, I love it. Well, can I, uh, I want to go on one other different tangent. Sure. You talked about how you didn't come up in comedy and how you do a lot of comedy. And I've noticed through our podcast, and it very much could be because of Matt and my network of people. But what percentage of like working directors do you guys think do comedy? I feel like 75%. All, all of the ones we, I, I think that's purely just our networks. And also coming up in digital, would, like Orin and I did. Right. There's not a drama.com. Right. You know, there's not, like you have to just go to direct one acts in New York or whatever. Right. So I think, I think that's where. It, right. That but when it comes right? to like commercials or short form or promos or branded things, like we're three comedy people, comedy directors. Like, there's just so many comedy directors, right? Aren't we just? Right. Aren't there too many of us? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, should I? Switch, yes. Should I switch to drama and start booking way more work? Yeah. yeah. If you could do lifestyle, I think. Oh, every right? any kid with a five D can do lifestyle. Yeah, I don't know. I lifestyle. I don't. I mean, I don't know if this necessarily applies to commercials, but I think like with movies like Get Out and stuff like that, where you know you see that you can make like a horror movie and infuse it with some comedy, and like it, it becomes more relatable in some ways. Like I, I think more people realize that you can kind of like mix genres. And so mm-hmm. 
I think there's more of an appetite for comedy in some sense. But I, in the commercial space, no, I, I think you're right. There are a ton of comedy directors. But, um, yeah, it's probably because of just our Who network. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so are you doing anything outside of the commercial space? Yeah. Um, so I did I did a couple of series last year. Um, like and episodic. Episodic stuff, like, yeah. Like a sing- single episode. Uh, yeah, so I, well, there were two things. So one, um, I did a prequel for the show Trial and Error, the John oh, Lithgow cool. show. Yeah, this, it was season one on NBC. So I did a prequel digital series that mm-hmm. Lithgow was in, which was great. So awesome. I, cool. yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to, I, I directed it in another case of like, once I got the job to direct it, um, so I said, you write it? <laughs> well, no, I, I didn't write it, but um, I did all the posts for it too. So mm-hmm. I edited and and what was the format? How many episodes and how long? That was four episodes. I mean, the whole thing was like 20 minutes total. So like it was just like five, five, four minute episodes mm-hmm. or something like that. But um, we shot it over like two or three days, something like that. And then it run up to the beginning of the season. It was actually, it aired towards the end of the season. So it actually took the form of like Dateline. So it was like an unearthed um, VHS copy of like a Dateline type show mm-hmm. about the murder of... Lithgow's character's first wife because mm-hmm. in the show he murdered another wife and there was a backstory about gotcha. the first one so that was really fun <clears throat> and then I did um, a, a, a series I did three episodes of a series for Go90 uh, for New Form oh um, my goodness which... yeah I know you yeah wait did both, you, yeah. you did you it, yeah. Ms. Mr. Student Body President yes that's so funny are you serious yeah, yeah. I was up for that. Oh, Didn't Jack right. Ferry yeah. direct? Jack, it was Jack and Ryan. Yeah. Um, they did all of season one. And then they got a 30-episode order for season yeah, two. Yeah. So they did the first and the last episodes. And then, and then had six, yeah. I think, six other directors. Oh, really? Know. Yeah. And how did they find you? Uh, that was through my agency. I'm, uh, ICM uh, got me that meeting. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was crazy. I mean, we shot 45 pages in five days. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, oh, well, well, that's, that's not that yeah, bad. That's fine. Yeah. But it was like, you know. From Exciting a guy that does uh, 15 seconds in two days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But so that, I mean, that was interesting. That was my first taste of like episodic directing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I have a few movies in the works at different places. Um, I'm going to actually shoot a short film, hopefully in probably end of January, maybe February. January's the season, right? Is it? Yeah. Cause no one's working. That's right? true. Well, I don't know if, is that true in the commercial world? Yeah, I guess too, we, or more like the scripted narrative world. Uh, good question. I mean, scripted, like, I mean, everybody takes the last two, three weeks of the year yeah, off. Yeah. But right. But also like Sundance yeah. and like, there's like, a lot of TV yeah. going on. And yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just kind of like, I've been up for a bunch of movies where, um, I mean, it's, it's weird cause I'm 40 now and like, if it, it's killing me that I'm like 40 and I haven't directed a movie yet. Yeah, and so, um, I've been picky though. Like when it comes to commercials and promos, I'll direct anything. I mean, right. that's it's like a couple livelihood. weeks of your life. Yeah. I've been very picky about features and the ones that I have gone after I've gotten very close to. And it's always, I always lose to someone who's made a feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've realized that like, if I'm not going to make a feature right now, if I make like a 20 minute, just like awesome short that like shows how I would do a feature, I think it'll be a lot easier to get those jobs. 
plus, you know, it'll, I think it'll just be good for the soul to do something sure. that yeah. like, I don't have anyone over my shoulder telling me to do another take of something. Yeah, yeah. So, and um, what genre do you want to work in? Uh, it's basically, well, this is, I guess I would, I would say it's, uh, it's like this is 40 through like a black mirror lens. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, because I never, you know, as I said, I never intended to, to do comedy, and but I've realized I'm good at it. So, and if I'm gonna make my first thing, it should probably be mm-hmm. have some kind of comedy element to it. But um, so yeah, I'm basically I, the crew that I usually work with. I'll I'll hit them up to to do this, right. and you know, a lot of favors. But I want to find one of the producers that I work with to try to you know produce it and just go off and make it. Just shoot it, man. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, Godspeed. Good luck. Thank you. Keep us posted. I will. Yeah. Are you going to call any of these people to be in uh, your short? Which people? Uh, Kevin Hart. I hear he's available he right I, now. Like we, like <laughs> I actually just came from his house. Alec so, Baldwin, yeah, yeah. Zach, uh, Alec Efron. And, yeah, Alec and I. We went out, you know, last weekend. Yeah. The Rock. Close with everybody you're you're talking to about. Uh, is this Daniel Radcliffe in the Kia Scent Lab? Uh, no, that's Ed Herbsman comedic genius oh he kind of looks like daniel radcliffe a little bit jack black these are all people that ira's worked with yeah the celebrity Blake shelton is he a really nice guy and does he point to himself S- all the time super duper nice guy great guy he's uh he's my celebrity crush oh yeah <laughs> oh, yeah uh you'd be even more in love with him if you met him i'll tell you i am up for this job at disney that has like some actors from a disney movie that aren't necessarily famous to anyone but maybe some kids would know them and right uh the guy that was like interviewing me was looking at my website he's like oh you've worked with some celebrity talent this will really help you uh and you know in terms of like your odds of getting the job and i'm like it okay actually working with celebrities is less helpful for a director because right. they're not like normal them. actors yeah. right <laughs> you can only push them so yeah. far yeah you have them for a very little time right. you're usually not usually but off I'd say 50% of the time they don't let you talk to them before you get to set. Right. Which is so weird because yeah. they want to talk to you and you want to talk to them. But 16 people in the middle right. decided that you, they don't want to waste their time with you. Well, it depends. Some are, some can be really into it. And I've noticed, but for the most part, it's like, yeah, that you, you're told they've seen the scripts, but they, they haven't ever looked mm-hmm. at the scripts. And yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, not. You're told they love the script. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and then right. they, they're like, why does it say this? This doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you had when you did Alec Baldwin, he does like pretty much like a Donald Trump impression. Right. Was that just like his go to presidential impression or was that the, the whole premise? No, I mean, that, that was the premise. I mean, we that was inter- my friend Brian Trishon wrote that spot and um, he, you know, they, they had a lot of different ideas that they presented to him before that someone at Paramount didn't like the George Trumpington thing at all. They're like, he, they're like, Alec does not want to do trump anymore mm-hmm. like i don't even want to send it to him they sent him like seven ideas every day no 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 this is literally 36 hours before the shoot they've out of desperation sent him that script he's like i love it let's do it <laughs> and so you know he shows i had worked with him before uh, probably like 10 years ago though and um i said to him i was like look you know you've done like the, you know this like the back of your hand like do you like do you even want notes from me he's like right. yeah definitely he's like but we had like 30 minutes sure yeah to do it so he was great. I mean, well, yeah. I have one final question for you in terms of promos and then segueing into TV. 
because you have these relationships with all these awesome creative directors. They see you as the promo guy. Ira, mm. Ira promo guy. But Are also you, at TV studios. Right? At, yeah. So you're in the building, right? Right. Do you have any apprehension about getting pigeonholed as a promo director when you want to be directing episodes of those TV shows? Well, honestly, I don't want to be directing episode, the TV episodes. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That yeah, would, I mean, like, I, 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 I shouldn't say that so flat out, like, definitively. You like, don't want to fight for the, that work. Right. I would love to uh, create TV shows, but I don't know how much of my interest lies in just coming in to do like, episodic work. It's like, oh, I don't want to do an episode of The Good Place or whatever. Right, yeah. right. And, and I, it's I on only Hulu got... and also NBC. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, someone just emailed us. Uh, they saw you were going to be on the podcast tonight and wanted to see if you wanted to direct an episode of that. But I will tell uh, them. Well, <laughs> not interested. What are you, what are you do? But no. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would, I would give it, you know, I would like to try it out a few more times, but I'm not sure that's, that's, it's not for you. Yeah, it may not be. Oh, but, well, that's great then. Yeah. I mean, but like, honestly, like you're, you're pigeonholed to me immediately. You, the, the second you do something. So like right. I did a documentary, I was a documentary guy based on what? <laughs> Nothing like, right. I, um, you know, now I'm a, I, I'm a comedy director. I couldn't possibly do anything else. I mean, luckily the cool thing with promos is like a lot of times people just want to work with you and there's more leeway. So it's like. I have done more dramatic spots also. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's not so, you're not so categorized like you are in, in commercials. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I used to care, it used to really bother me, but it's like, it's my job to just convince people that I'm not what they think I am. Yeah, you know I pigeonholed yeah. you just based on your name. You walked in here and that's blew my valid. mind. That's very valid. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ira, thank you so much. Uh, shall we hop into unpaid endorsements? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Unpaid endorsements. So something that I've been doing for the last year, I think it's pretty obvious, and I'm sure a lot of people do it, but just saying it since we talked about editing a lot, is I have a hard drive. It's like a two terabyte lacy portable hard drive, and it has all my favorite stuff on it. Sound effects. I have like, you know, 600 gigs of sound effects, music that I really like, uh, graphics, you know, elements like action things, all these things, templates, fonts, everything that I ever like use when I edit. And whenever I go to any edit session, I always bring it with me. And like nine times out of 10, I say like, oh, I think I have something great for that. Or I'll literally don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Connect it to my laptop and find sound effects. And I'll be like, use this one. And I'll like airdrop it to the editor Mm -hmm. uh, because, um, I just like to have my things with me, and it, I find that it lets me work a lot faster when I'm working with other people. So, you know, just have a hard drive. Nowadays, there's so you can get like a two terabyte Lacey hard drive for like eighty bucks. Really, you can get four for one fifty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but yeah, just bringing kind of your library of your favorite editing tools is like kind of my endorsement. It's an obvious one, but um, if you want a copy oh. of mine. Send a uh, hundred dollars <laughs> to just shoot it, and I'll send you a copy of my drive. And the self self addressed stamped envelope. Yeah, and S A S E. Cool. Awesome. Uh, you guys got anything? Ira, what you got? So I just saw a short film that kind of blew me away. Um, it was sent to be sent to me by my friend Sean Connery, who's a DP who shot Sean Connery. Connery. Boo. Uh, he shoots a lot of uh, spots. Yeah. Um, he shot a few of my spots. And um, anyway, he sent me this short he did called Incel. Um, and the director, I think his name is John Marizaldi. It blew me away. It, it is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. Do you guys know what incels are? Yeah, involuntarily celibate people. Yes. Oh. My wife and I are 
And so, <laughs> my, so my wife my, actually so our made that, that joke to me today as well. Uh, but she, so um, anyway, it's it's I knew nothing about this whole subculture, and um, it kind of gets into kind of the, the the psychology of people who do these mass shootings, and not that they're all the same, but there is kind of a profile that seems right. Well, there's one guy right that was like uh, like the UC Santa Barbara guy. I think. Oh, right. I think the uh, Sandy Hook guy as oh, well. Really? Oh, yeah, man. I think there's a few. So um, it's a really disturbing subculture and very thought-provoking. So I, it, I think it was a Vimeo staff pick. So if you go to Vimeo and type in incel. I-N-C-E-L. Yeah, and we'll have it on our show notes it. as well. Yeah. So <laughs> No, I was really, really impressed by it. Awesome. Um, well, you know, I'm going to take, uh, take you up on the, um, the short tip, actually, because I just saw a great one. Did you name your short a gray one so that if someone is looking for a great one, they might accidentally find yours? Uh, no, but I did think of making sure to have uh, the first two words be early in the alphabet. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. When you titled it? You didn't mm-hmm. do like star at. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's exactly. why it's called A. It's, that's why you spell gray, G-R-A-Y, because it'll come a little bit before G-R-E-Y. Um, well, so also we're really getting into it. Uh, originally, I was thinking of it with an E, but that is the British style of spelling. G-R-E-Y is British. Yeah. yeah so I, I like, thought they were just interchangeably. They, they are, they're both correct in American English, mm-hmm. but E is technically the British style of spelling. And I think. So when you want to seem more intelligent, yeah, that's yeah. how you. Yeah, exactly. Well, director F. Gary Gray is with an A. Uh, so. um, well, my short. That blows the whole thing up. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Wait, the Gray. Um, Hold on. Let me look up one more. The movie, The Gray. Mm. Liam Neeson. E. British. E. Yeah. yeah or Irish or whatever he is. <laughs> Well, speaking of shorts that start with an A, Alex and the Handyman was sent to me by a friend, um, and it's a short comedy. It's an NYU grad film, which makes me very jealous, but um, it's about a young boy who is neglected by his mother and falls in love with the Handyman, and kind of like hilarious, sad, twisted, weird stuff happens, basically. Um, And I think the thing I love about the film the most is that all of the performances are really specific in the same way you know they're all in the exact same movie but it's a very unique style of performance Mm. i think especially the little boy who plays alex is such a kind of unique performer that it's interesting that everyone else kind of calibrates to him and also it's just a left turn after left turn after Mm. left turn so you never know exactly where it's going even though it still feels a little familiar Mm. um and it's great so alex and the handyman cool well if we want to find out more about you ira you have an awesome website. Yeah, www.irarosenswig, R-O-S-E-N-S-W-E-I-G.com. Uh, and my production company is wavemakercreative.com. And are you on social media? I am on social media. I'm on Facebook. I actually just started an Instagram account. Oh. Like yesterday. Well, we will tag you in the Instagram post. That Perfect. What is it? At Ira Rosenswig? I think, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just Ira Rosenswig. Uh, you can follow... Uh, just shoot it on all of the social media apps. We're at just shoot it. Pod. At just shoot it pod, and uh, you can visit us online at just shoot it pod.com. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, or for Ira, or anything you think, email us at just shoot it pod at gmail.com. We love to hear your thoughts. And if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm at O Kaplan. At O Kaplan, and I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow. This episode was edited by Jay McCullough. Uh, it's produced by Madeline Rosewatt, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams. Um, make sure you leave an iTunes review. That's how other people discover the show and grows our community. Thanks, everyone.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.